from Jeanette's TV. I'm at the Elevate Tech Conference in Toronto. And what a conference this is. Four days of incredible learning, all kinds of very high influencers in the digital and tech industries, from fashion to food and everything in between investments, health. We have so much great coverage coming at you. Please stay with us. Vancouver, Toronto, we have a really big presence. Um, London, uh, Australia, uh, and Mexico City in terms of our customer servicing offices and uh, development and engineering offices in Romania and Italy and uh, a few other spots. So, um, you know, in terms of uh, the, the revenue on the business, uh, you know, we're, we're around 200 million in ARR. Probably uh, one of, if not the largest, uh, private uh, software companies in Canada, and uh, you know it, it's uh, it's been an absolute, absolute privilege over the past few years to, to help grow this business and, and uh, grow Canadian uh, technology and software company. That's awesome. Uh, that sounds really great. I want to talk about your daughter. Okay. <laughs> you recently had one. I did. Uh, so not only are you doing all you're, you're building uh, Food Suite and running that, but you also have a new life. That you're startup, yes. a new startup, um, which has uh, maybe put a new lens on things for you. I, I know you've written recently about kind of uh, work-life balance and perspective on uh, overcoming struggles, and I, I, I want to talk about that because, uh, from Vegas' perspective, uh, we, we always look to use content for the early stage founder, uh, people out there who might be able to learn from you. And I, I, can you talk through kind of how your perception of your time? We were just talking about like. Five-year anniversaries and things like that. Can we afford time to like have a dog or get outside or running our businesses? But like, how has that changed since you've had that job? Yeah, you know, I mean, for for the entrepreneurs and people working startups, and, and, you know, I think pretty much anybody, uh, work-life balance is a challenge. And uh, you know, first off, I, I'm I, I held off I'm a little bit uh, later than than some fathers out there. Um, I, I had this you know really uh, big project that I was working on with Hootsuite. And uh, I wanted to be able to enjoy fatherhood, and, and uh, it all kind of came together at the point where I felt like I could step a little bit back from the business and, and really get into this. And uh, it has been an incredible journey so far, seven months in. So I'm, a, uh, you know, just fledgling on this. But you know, there there are tons of lessons. You know, my one of my takeaways I talk to a lot of people about is the, the you know the 10,000 hours. Right now, like, we all forget about how much time it took for us all to learn how to walk. But watching a human like create all these subroutines on walking is fascinating, and she just has pure joy in it—a total growth mindset. And and uh, seeing her integrating rapidly, yeah, her attacking. Yeah, first first subroutine, you got to do the little bouncy thing, and then you got to work on this and build this muscle, and then we're working on pull-ups and deadlifts. It's all the routines, and it's going to take her ten thousand hours, but she's going to be you know expert in and master it. And so I'm taking that to things that I'm starting to do, and and uh, not get as frustrated when I go out and play tennis once a year that I'm not an expert at it in, in uh, an hour. Okay, but so let's talk about taking that time because I think you know, we talk a lot about kind of the work-life balance as if it's supposed to be this equal time parity thing. And you talk about kind of like almost interval training. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think this is a really interesting, it's, it's something that resonated with me in terms of, uh, especially in the run up to Elevate, getting out of that program, both the money and the AI stages today. So doing jobs on top of jobs. There are just periods of time where you can't have that balance. You have to, I guess, wait to your deliverables, I guess. How would you, how would you like to refer? Yeah, you know, one, one of the ways I talk about is, is sprinting versus marathoning, you know, and, and there are periods where you have to do a sprint, you have to go super hard, and there's sometimes you need a back-to-back sprint, but 
I think we all know you cannot sustain sprint, 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 sprint for, you know, ad nauseum. And, um, you know, I, I think as founders and startup team, early team, we really have to guard and protect ourselves for, you know, those times when there is downtime to really recharge ourselves. And, and uh, you know, mentally, uh, physically, you know, I think that you know, I talk a lot about, I think, and we all know this, but investing time in your health is super important because when you're not optimal, you can't perform optimally, and, and you're putting a little in the bank for those those times when you really need it. Yeah, and I, I think when we're talking about health, we're talking about mental and physical health, right? So, um, you know, like, so obviously, between said a significantly different scale than in the early days, or even uh, back in the Invoker days, we were kind of like spin up our even when you're like running a pizza place. Um, can you talk about the, the process of maybe like delegating some of that and giving time to yourself uh, or giving projects and workloads to your employees so you have that time? Because uh, I know a lot of founders when we talk to you, there's that sense of uh, sense of guilt in terms of you know always being on, always being responsible. How, how, do, you, how do you manage that? It, you know, it, it's an evolution, uh, and we all go through as we grow, and, and hopefully we all do continue to grow. Uh, you, you learn new skills and, and you know you mentioned I, I, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I started my first business in high school, it was a paintball business. Uh, I did a restaurant, I did a pizza restaurant, I did an agency. Uh, and, and then within Hootsuite, which has been an amazing opportunity, we've grown that from three person to a thousand person team. And so the learnings that you have in that uh, are, are significant. When you're a solopreneur, you're wearing all the hats and you get into this thing, and I've got to solve that, firefight that. It's a bit of an adrenaline hit, you know, like just being the person at the core and center of it all. Um, but it is totally unscalable. And, uh, uh, you know, what I, my advice to, to young entrepreneurs is that, that, you know, you need to think about what you know and love doing, and then think about the things that you don't know or don't love doing, and try to shed those off. Because usually the things that we're good at and love, and love doing, there's a correlation between the two. Uh, I'm a person that I like product, I like marketing, I like culture, and, and those things I, I gravitate and spend a lot of time on. Uh, I don't love finance, and I, I, I know enough to be dangerous, I can read a cap table and a balance sheet, but I've got a CFO, and he is deep on it, and he loves looking at Excel, and every day he just gets really deep into it. If I had to do that, I wouldn't be my best self, and I wouldn't be doing what I could be doing the most. So, you know, as you get going, as you get scaling, you start shedding off some of these things to people uh, that take them on. Just, I think the other thing to remember is that there are people that love doing things that you don't love doing. Yes. And so get them, hire those people. Hire those people, yeah, they love doing There's people that love operations if you don't like it. There's people that love finance if you don't like it. Did you find yourself gravitating to the things you enjoyed more, or was it a conscious decision to say, these are the boxes that I own, I will stay plugged in with finances, but I trust you? Like what, yeah, yeah, I mean, a little bit of both, I think. I, I think that human nature is that we often gravitate. You know, I, I spend the time to learn enough to be dangerous, but um, I, you, you can't run an organization being ignorant on finance. You need, you need, what's, what's the dangerous level? Because that's a that's a, it's a very yeah, that's phrase, but when do you know that you're, like, is it when the engineering team can't lie to you about, like, how many, uh, it's going to take the next sprint to deliver a feature, or like, yeah, it is. I mean, it's a, it's a bit that, absolutely, it's a bit of that. You gotta, you gotta know, like, enough to be dangerous is a significant amount. It's a B plus level, uh, it's not a PhD level, it's not a you know, A plus level, but it's a, it's a solid B plus, I think. You gotta know enough, you know, like, if you're, if you're sitting with investors and talking about your cap table or talking about your finance. 
expenses, revenue growth, etc. That's an important conversation. You also need to be able to switch gears and talk about product. You also need to talk about your marketing mission. So leaders have to have a pretty well-rounded skill set. Uh, but you know, there are points when you can defer and you can say, you know what, like you should talk to the get in deep with my CFO on the point. Empowering you to take on this new role. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk about when things uh, go wrong on that scaling journey. So you know, obviously this week's been around since 2008. So you've seen maybe like five different ice ages of the internet. It's completely different from uh, first launching. Uh, earlier this year, uh, there was a staff reduction, laid off about 10% of your staff. And you, I would say, since I've been personally covering the suite of bacon, uh, maybe an on-again, off-again relationship with IPO. Um, I'm more interested in how you navigate the company through those processes when things aren't, you're not hitting the plan as it was laid out in the PowerPoint, but things need to change or pivot or evolve. Like how are you communicating that? Well, you know, that, that is just it, which is, uh, I think, a really important thing that I've learned in my journey is that uh, what I believe historically in terms of, uh, or, or what I mean historically in terms of communication has dramatically increased. So when you're a three-person team, you can get around huddle, talk about stuff, you're all on the same page, and you just go. And that's really fast, real simple. Uh, as you get to 100, 500, 800,000. Yeah, you have 15 offices around the world. Yeah, and so, so communicating to everybody, keeping on the same pages, is an increasing challenge. Um, so I, yeah, I spend a lot more time, you know, and in, to the, you know, the, the point on, uh, you know, some of the, the staff reductions and, and reorgs that we've done, um, it, it's, a, it's a challenging process, uh, you know, for, for those that have gone through it. Uh, it it's never an easy day, uh, but you ultimately do need to do the right thing for the business, and, and we made some changes that, as, a, as a leadership team and a board that we felt like were the right things to do for the business. Um, and, and uh, you know, you, you have to be able to be, you know, I personally want to be so respectful for the people that have been working to build the business for us, but you know, there's always a, a point of reckoning when you look at the team, the bench, the board structure, where you're making investments, and you have to say, is this the right uh, shape of business for us to move ahead? So we, we made those tough decisions. Uh, they, were, they were the right things to do at the right time. Um, we, we reinvested into other areas, the areas where we reinvested in, we grew our product team. Uh, this year, we brought in a new product leader. We've had incredible growth in that group, and, and really excited about the product that we're putting out and continue to put out for our customers. And um, we've actually also grown our, our commercial sales group significantly. Uh, they are, you know, with that group, we're experiencing 60% year-over-year growth, which is fantastic at the scale that we're at. And um, you know, to your to your question on on IPO, um, you know, we look at and for you know just in terms of how we're thinking about it, the, the uh, PR answer that every pre-IPO CEO will give is that they're building a company that looks like a, a public company. And, but what that really means to us is we, how we benchmark that. And for those who want to think about benchmarking your own businesses, we take uh, the last year's cohort of IPO companies and, and look at a bunch of different data points on them. So what is the average age? The average age is 14 years old. Uh, we're 11 years old as a company, so we're young from them. Uh, we look at revenue scale, we're all actually in a similar revenue scale in terms of average. And the average market cap or valuation at IPO is $3.4 billion. Uh, so, you know, there's there's uh, some, some room for us to grow into there. And if you think about, you know, 11 years versus 14, so, you know, like there's, there's kind of a, a sweet spot for us over the next while. 
did you did you feel like maybe a, a greater pressure? You anyway, said off the top, you know, there are a few companies at your size to scale from a Canadian perspective. Uh, a pressure to maybe speak to that because everyone's looking for, uh, you know, we have Shopify, we have One, we have Lightspeed. Now, um, you know, the generation prior to that would have been Rim Blackberry. That were there are so few companies playing at that global stage that there's a bit of a, a tall poppy situation where you got the spotlight on you and there's maybe pressure to not only represent Canada but speak to these things before. Because you, you're obviously, the way that you're talking through approach uh, to is say uh, a thousand times more responsible than some uh, global tech companies we've seen in the news, say, like WeWork. Uh, how, how, do, you, do you feel like maybe you were speaking too early or should you just learn something more about that process? So I, I, th I think first off, uh, you, you mentioned WeWork. Uh, you know, our, our goal as a company is to create a cash flow neutral customer positive company, and we've done that. So uh, we think in doing that, we are able to control our own destiny. Um, you know, it, if you have to go out to IPO because you have to get money, yes. it is a, it is a bad situation as we've seen. Right, it can be a really troubling problem. We, if we go to IPO, it's because we want to, not because we. Big difference there. Um, so that's been a discipline that we brought in years ago, and, and something that I think has been really good for us in terms of how we think about it. There are a lot of benefits to having a private company, um, but you know, at some point you've got to create liquidity for your shareholders and, and for your team, uh, who are also shareholders, and, and uh, this is important. Uh, well, and, just like you were just talking about control, and I, I think about that perspective of founder control. We were talking earlier about delegating and. When my relationship to Hootsuite uh, is very much in terms of like how I came up in the, the late aughts, as social media was blowing up, I think you and I probably have like the two best Twitter handles at Elevate, Boker, and at Tron. Follow us. But uh, I also think of other companies in that social area, like a company like uh, Foursquare, which started right as there was all that nice energy, and you have someone like Dennis Crowley, who uh, I knew two, uh, the two co-founders step aside. Uh, step down from the leadership position, focus on, on products, uh, replace themselves with others to do things while they work on another component. Do you ever think about, you know, they talk about the benefits of a private company, maybe uh, stepping away as a CEO and working on those core components that you are most passionate about, or uh, do you feel like that's necessary, or how do you, how do you get to that stage where you're not being pressured? Yeah, I think, I think first off, um, you know, it is a very personal decision on any any leaders that we have to think about like are they the right person for the next chapter of the company? You know, I talk I can't really talk with my board about this and talk about succession with them because it's important. You know, I get hit by a bus, what's the plan? And and so, you know, I'm I'm talking with them and I'm also personally thinking about it. Um, and, and you know, I, I have to say I'm very excited about the future of the business and uh, you know my role with it and, and so there's no limit plans there, but Something that is always a thought. Well, I, I think in the relationship with control, you know, Michael Hyatt from Blue Cat, uh, he always says like he's always looking to find someone to replace himself in the company, but it's always from a lens of founder control and his, his vision. So I, I think it's your point of like, the responsible approach and to seize these things is important changes. But um, let's go back to this idea of Sweet as a Canadian leader and then your role in that. Obviously, like it's awesome having you here at Elevate. You've always been accessible to represent Canada in a way that few other Canadian leaders do, do you feel like extra pressure to make it or do that? Is that um, maybe in terms of your time at the company, what things we get involved in, I know you're a B Corp, like 
Is there, is there an additional kind of like... Well, I mean, I've been a big bolster of Canadian technology for, for a long time. Uh, I, I, you know, we're, we're in Vancouver, I would love to see Can 100 Hootsuites in Vancouver. I, I love seeing what's going on in Toronto. I think it's got a really vibrant technology scene here. I think it's a really good time. There's been a ton of recent funding and, and um, uh, you know, millions of dollars coming into the Canadian technology scene. I'm really excited about this upcoming crop that is out there. And, and, uh, so passionate about that. Um, you know, one of the things that I've done, we, we uh, have a, and I founded a charity called League of Innovators yes, a couple of years ago. Um, part of what we're doing with League of Innovators is find and accelerate young entrepreneurs between uh, 17 and 25 years old. Um, and the goal, you know, took me from 16 years old to 25 years old. That was my entrepreneurial journey to getting to Hootsuite. And, and the thesis is we want to condense that down. We want people to hit their Hootsuites at an earlier stage. And um, something that Hootsuite as a company is supporting and that I'm personally supporting. And, and we've had some really good impact out of that. I'm really excited uh, for, for a lot of the ventures to work Let's talk about a component of that because before we were just hanging out in the, uh, the creators on talking about corporate social responsibility, a component of that where I think that's something that uh, you've always been outspoken on, uh, not only as representing Vancouver, but just like being a people, but just doing that. You're talking about um, people at that stage of the innovators already talking about corporate social responsibility at like three person teams rather than being like, hey, we're big, we're funded, we have money now, now we can start thinking about this. Can you, can you maybe as we close on our final minutes, uh, especially just given the state? of the world in 2019 yeah. and the multiple uh, institutions we have on fire in addition to the Nimble Rainforest, uh, but like how we can build more of that yeah. at the beginning? Well, I think, I, I mean, first off, I'm really excited to hear young entrepreneurs approach me and say, like, hey, well, how should I be thinking about you know, CSR? How should I be thinking about DNI? and sure as I just talked about that. And, uh, it, it's really exciting, I think, the era that we're in. Um, you know, one good piece for those of you that, that are, you know, are founders and talking with your board and investors on this, um, the Business Roundtable in America, which is a, a group of Fortune 500 CEOs that get together and talk about um, what, what is important for corporate America, uh, recently put out a, a mandate that said that corporate America used to, their, their key responsibility was to their shareholders. And they've now shifted that to, sh to sh uh, stakeholders, meaning consideration to all stakeholders is really important. Um, do, you this, think, do you think that has teeth though? Because like you're a big corporate, you've signed documents where you have to meet a standard. This was just kind of like a, I think I, I'm going to lose 20 pounds and get in shape. No, I think it's, it's a huge psychological shift. And I think it's something that founders can take to their investors and say, hey, we're being thoughtful in terms of our whole approach. And I think that it's not only uh, a good social imperative, I think it's a great business imperative. I think that this actually is good for business. Uh, what you, so like, you take um, some of the initiatives that Pepsi is doing in terms of creating a healthier drink line. That is a social imperative, but also it's gonna be good for business because people are going to see that. Uh, you can look at any number of, uh, of other businesses um, that are also following Walmart, for example, banning assault rifles. Society is demanding this, and I think they're going to be right in the long run here. Okay, it's good, it's good business. Uh, that's a great place to leave it. Thank you, Ryan. All right, my pleasure. See you later.